ever been to a gathering or an event and just thought, this is weird? Have you? Oh, I have. Like, you know, um, maybe you've been invited somewhere and you go along and you go, oh, that's a little weird. Um, maybe you, you saw an event and you thought, oh, go to this, it'll be really cool, and you get there and it's just not quite what you imagined it would be. Um, maybe uh, it was somewhere that you had to go. I've had a few of these, you know, where your family make you go somewhere. Uh, and you think, it would, you hope it would be okay, and it's just genuinely weird. Um, <clears throat> I went to a Thermomix convention once. <clears throat> it was weird. It was weird. No, it's a true story. Um, so I worked for a cancer charity, and Thermomix Australia decided that um, they wanted to use the like ticket price, the door entry from their national convention, and they wanted to donate it to the charity I was a part of. So my job was to go along and to accept the donation and say a few word of, words of thanks. So I go into this community hall, uh, quite a bit bigger than this space, and the, the hall is lined three sides with trestle tables. And on every trestle table, there is a thermomix with a Thermomix-like consultant demonstrator behind it. And they're, they're giving tastings of the thing that they've made with their Thermomix and they're explaining the, the cool techniques because these, they're really, like, they're, these are not just kind of dips and, and slices and slow-cooked things. They're really sort of, they're pushing the Thermomix to the envelope, right? And so they've made all these crazy things and they're, they're explaining the techniques and how they did this and that. And, and, and these people were full-on. Right now, I don't own a Thermomix. I know people, uh, some people who own Thermomix, and some of them they really love. You know, Thermomix is one of those things. Some people have a Thermomix and they really love it. There are people pointing to people in the room. I'm not going to point to anyone, but there are people who really love. It. I've also been in conversations where I've had arguments about Thermomixes because there are some people who love them and there are some people who are like, how can you possibly pay that much money for something that sits on a kitchen bench, right? But they're normal people, right? These were Thermomix consultants, right? These were the people that go around and demonstrate Thermomix across the country. These people were a different kind of fanatical, right? This was like evangelism meets Thermomix, right? There's a whole room of this and me, right? <clears throat> Because all the people who came along to the convention, they were all Thermomix owners, right? So they were all like drinking at the fountain. They were all sold out on how brilliant Thermomix is. They thought this event was the greatest thing in the world because they could go around and meet all these Thermomix gurus and get recipes and tips and tricks. And then there was me. This was a totally normal event for them, right? They did this stuff all the time. But for me, it was weird. You know what I'm talking about? We're in a series we're calling Weird Things Christians Do, um, saying that we all do weird things. There are weird things that happen in our workplaces or at uni or whatever, things that are just, they just, they're, they're just particular to your workplace or to your school or whatever, and they make sense to you because that's the way your school always does it. But anyone else who came into that school would go, why are they doing that? That's weird. And there are some weird things that we do at church. There's stuff that happens at church where if you've been around church for a while, maybe you grew up in a church or, or you've been to church a lot, they're kind of pretty normal things to you. They're things that you know happen in churches. But if you're not used to going to church, if you've just walked into a church for the first time, you'd be like, what's going on? 
What, why, why are these people doing that? And the truth is, the truth is, isn't it, that even for some of us who've been in church for a long time, there's some stuff that happens in church that you're used to, but if anyone asks you, you really don't know why we do the stuff that we do. I mean, I, I know that we do that every Sunday or every now and then, but I can't actually tell you why churches do that. It's just something we do. And so in this series, we're going to um, sort of draw back the curtain and look at some of those things and ask why we do the things that we do, some of these weird things that we do. Where do they come from? And what's the purpose of them? And I guess most importantly, what's the value of them for our Christian faith and our Christian walk today? And today, we're going to talk about the weird thing that is our weekly worship gathering. Now, I say it's weird. It's kind of not weird because people gather regularly for all sorts of things, don't they? There are people who go to the football every week. There are people who go to the movies every week. That's their thing. There are people who go to libraries or other places really regularly. That's their thing. And I guess a lot of people would say, well, church is just one of those things, isn't it? A bit like the footy or the library or, or whatever. There are, there are just some people who that's their thing and they go every week. So it's kind of not weird in that sense. But it is kind of weird in the sense that why do we go every week? You know, because you go to the footy sort of when you're free. If there's something that clashes with the footy, you don't go. But there's no kind of expectation. You know, the crows don't ring you up and say, where were you uh, on Friday night? Uh, do they? Like, like, but, you know, why, why, do we, why is there this sort of expectation that you go to church every week? You know, what's the point? I mean, as long as you believe in God, that's kind of the main thing, isn't it? Whether you actually show up to the church thing or not. Like, does that actually really matter? The church has gathered together regularly since the very beginning. Um, you might remember Acts chapter 2. We've read this a bit. I'm going to read it again um, because it's just so important in terms of how it describes what the early church looks like. Acts uh, chapter 2, verse, beginning at verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all people. And the Lord added to their number those daily, added to their number daily those who were being saved. That picture of the early church, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, which was the closest thing that they had to church. Meeting together was a totally normal and sort of expected part of what it was to be a part of that early church. In fact, did you know that we don't meet anyone, not a single person in the New Testament who isn't connected to a local church? There are no individual Christians in the early church. Every person that we meet in the New Testament was a part of a church that gathered regularly. And for those people we meet that are sort of traveling missionaries, Paul and some of his friends, all of those people were sent out from churches that gathered weekly. And in fact, when they got to new towns, you know what the first thing they did? They found the group of Christians or they found people in that church and they met together with them. They went along to their meetings to explain who Jesus was and what he'd done for them. 
there's no doubt that the gathering church was a totally normal and sort of expected part of what it was to be a Christian in the early church. In fact, some people would say that in the early church particularly, there was no such thing as a Christian who didn't go to church. That they just wouldn't understand that concept because to be a Christian was to be connected to a church community. But like that's 2,000 years ago, yeah? Things are different now, aren't they? I mean, I understand why maybe in the old times they had to go to church because they didn't have all the stuff that we have now. They didn't have the internet and they didn't have books and they didn't have podcasts and they didn't have Spotify where they could listen to worship if they weren't together. So I understand why they did that, but, but we don't have to do that, do we? I mean, I, I, I can be a Christian without going to church, right? Because I've got all that other stuff. And some people would even say, well, you know, we're saved by grace, not by going to church. So, you know, we don't want to get all legalistic about that sort of thing. You don't have to go to church, do you? I want to give you three reasons why being at a weekly church gathering is just as important today for us as it was to the early church 2,000 years ago. Gathering together makes a statement about who God is. Gathering together allows us to encourage one another and to be encouraged by others in a way that you just can't get if you're not together. And gathering together helps us to remember God and to focus on him in our lives. First thing gathering together does is that it makes a statement about who God is. I don't know if you uh, read much of the news, but uh, a week or so ago when the Matildas played their first game in the World Cup, 75,000 people showed up to watch the game. Right, It's one of the biggest crowds ever uh, for a soccer game in, in Australia. And there were a number of journalists who said things. Here's a quote from one of the journalists. That this game is another reminder of how far women's sport has come in this country. And he was saying, when you see 75,000 people who've showed up for a game of women's soccer, that is a clear demonstration that women's sport is no longer a secondary thing in this country. Right? That, that, that women's sport is no longer like a curtain raiser for men's sport. It's no longer a sideshow. That women's sport is now a serious thing. And they're saying, that's a good thing. And 75,000 people coming to a great game demonstrates that. The crowd showing up makes a statement about the reason that they're showing up for. Does that make sense? And when the church gathers together, it makes a statement about who God is and about what we believe about the God that we worship. When you choose to be here rather than to be somewhere else, it says something about what you think about God. Because we live in a world that pulls us and pushes us in all sorts of different directions in terms of how we use our time, doesn't it? Being at church every week says, I believe that God is alive. Being at church every week says, I believe that Jesus is real and alive. It says, I believe in what you've done for me and I'm going to put you first as a result. It makes that statement, it makes that statement here and it makes that statement out in the world. 
when you prioritise being here ahead of being at a children's birthday party, ahead of being at a sports game, ahead of being at a family get-together, it says something about the importance of the way you see God in your own life. It just does. Because there's a cost. I don't know if you ever think about this, but there's a cost to coming here on a Sunday morning, isn't there? It means you don't get to sleep in. You know, for some of us, oh, let's be honest, for some of us, Sunday is, the, is, is you know, maybe the one day that we could sleep in. But there's a cost. You say, you know, I won't do that. I will get up and I will go to be and gather with my church. It means that you will miss out on some things. You will miss out. If you're here, you're missing out potentially on having coffee with some mates. You could be missing out on some family gatherings. You could be missing out on some sport events that are happening on a Sunday morning. There's a cost because some people will think you're weird, won't they? Why would you do that on a Sunday morning? Which could you be home in your Ugg boots reading the Sunday Mail and you know doing whatever else people do on a Sunday morning? But that's exactly the statement that it makes when we're here, doesn't it? It says, my God is more important to me than a children's birthday party. It does. It says, my God is more important to me than being at a game of footy or a game of netball or a game of whatever else it is that you could be at on a Sunday morning. It says, my God is more important to me than a social catch-up. My God is more important to me even than a family get-together. Gathering together makes a statement about who you believe God is and it makes a statement about the importance that you believe God has and the importance that you give God in your own life. The second thing that gathering together does for us, that still does for us and has always does for us, is it gives us a unique opportunity to encourage one another and to be encouraged in a way that you just can't get online and you just can't get on your own because you guys know as well as me life is tough school is hard there's temptation everywhere it's hard to make time to be with God because life's so busy I want to read my Bible and I want to pray pardon me but there's so much going on it's tough to be a Christian at work it's tough to speak up for God at uni I want to be more generous, but it's just so hard because there's just things all the time that I just want to buy and buy and buy. My health is a really tough journey for me. It just seems to take so much of my time and energy. Life is hard and life is almost all, everyone I meet in their own way would say, life is hard. And the reality is that Christian faith was never supposed to be a solo experience. That a faith in God was never meant to be a relationship just between you and God, just the two of you and no one else. The Christian gathering has always been a place where Christians can come together and they can encourage one another and, uh, in terms of both receiving encouragement and also giving encouragement to people around them. It's always been that way. 30 years after the resurrection, the writer of Hebrews wrote this. Let us hold unswervingly, which is a word that we don't use very much, but I love it. Unswervingly, it means like kind of not going this way, not going that way, just being absolutely focused on where we're going. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope 
that we profess, the hope that we talk about. Let's hold unswervingly to that. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. Hebrews 10, uh, verse 23, 25. The writer's saying, this is 2,000 years ago, he's saying, when we meet together, we spur one another on, we push one another on, we encourage one another toward love and toward good deeds. He says, so, so don't give up the habit of meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. Some are going, oh, I don't need to do this. Don't be that person. We talk a lot in this church about um, the foundational habits of uh, a quiet time or a time alone with God each day. We talk a lot about that. Um, we talk a lot about you know, time in our Bibles and praying. Whatever. We talk a lot about living out our faith beyond Sunday morning, you know, living out our faith in Jesus at work and at uni and uh, you know, in our families during the week. But I don't want anyone to confuse that truth with the reality that there's still value in us getting together once a week. Make sense? It's not an either-or. For Christians, it's always been both. Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. When we make time and space to be together as a church, we're making time and space where we can learn together, where we can bounce ideas off one another, where we can where we can sort of wrestle with hard questions together, talk about the things that we don't understand and, and get help from other people. We're making space where we can encourage one another through, through difficult times, hear how things are going at school, pray for someone uh, through the challenges they've got at uni, hear someone talk about their week at work, just listen to them. Because, man, we know, like, we live in a world where Sometimes it's hard to get listened to, you know what I mean? Everyone's talking, no one's listening. Being together as a church is where we can create space and just listen to one another. We can share practical advice together. We can pray for one another. We can, we can just stand with one another in the presence of the Holy Spirit and just invite God by His Holy Spirit into the lives of one another. That's something you can never do online. That's something you, you can never do when it's just you and God alone at home. Gathering together is how we create belonging as a church. It's how Christian faith becomes not just something I believe in, not just something that sort of happens in my head, but something that I really belong to. You know, it becomes a community. And we talk, we use this word, this idea of family. I mean, that's why for us at Tide, the, the small group concept that we have when we gather is just so important. It's not just a time to sort of, you know, chat after the message. I mean, it does that too, but it's a time to do those things. What we're trying to do is intentionally create space where we can learn together, where we can question things together, where you can sort of go, oh, you know, when he said this, what did he mean by that? And someone else can say, well, I like this. And, you know, they, it, it's all of that stuff that happens that can only happen when you're in a circle together with other people. And not just with your family and your best friends, but people who've got really different life experience than you. 
you know, when some of us older people can learn from a young person. When someone at uni can, work from, can learn from someone who's been in the workforce for 20 years. When people who are married can learn from someone who's single and people who are single can learn from someone who's divorced. And, you know, there are things like that that happen that can only happen when we make space and we're together. We want to be a church that makes space for that because that's something that happens when the church gathers. Gathering together allows us to encourage one another and to be encouraged by one another in ways that can't happen anywhere else. The third thing that gathering together allows us to do is that it helps us to remember who God is and to refocus ourselves on Jesus. Because life is busy. I know it is busy. It's like it's the word of the 21st century, isn't it? How was your week this week? Busy. You could just say, everyone, you just say that. It's just busy. There's so much happening for all of us. I don't care where you are in life. It just seems for everyone, there's so much happening at school or at uni or at work or with our family or in our health or with our friends. And if you're anything like me, you spend a lot of your life saying, I want to put God first. I really want to live every day for God. But the truth is, sometimes I get to the end of a day and I think, man, I've hardly thought about God at all today. My day's just been so full. There's just been, you know, school's just been so full on. I get to the end of the day and go, I haven't spoken to God. I haven't thought about God all day. Do you ever feel like that? Gathering weekly helps us to refocus on God. We've talked about the way, that, the way that gathering makes a statement to the world. Gathering weekly also makes a statement to yourself. It's like a declaration to yourself that says, I'm coming here to refocus myself on the fact that there's a God who is alive and loves me and sent his son Jesus to die for me. And I can now live forgiven and free. Because I know that, I know that up here, but it's so easy to forget that in the whole busyness and everything else that happens in life, isn't there? Gathering together is your moment and my moment to put a stake in the ground each week and to say, yep, I believe that. Weekly worship allows us to stop and remember who God is and what he's done. It's like a pit stop for a racing car. I'm not much of a motorsport fan, but, but you know, in a, in, a, in, a, in a car race, in a motorsport race, there are times when the car will leave the race, will drive off the racetrack and into the pits. And they'll get new tyres and uh, they'll refuel. Um, sometimes they'll do other, the other checks or, or really quick bits of maintenance on the car. And then the car leaves and it's back out on the race and uh, back out on the track and it's racing again. And our weekly gathering is like that pit stop for our faith. It's that moment to just kind of get out of the fast track, get out of the busyness of life and to refuel. To change our sort of proverbial tyres, to do a few maintenance checks before we get back into the race of the next week. Weekly worship refuels us and gets us ready for another week. Worship refreshes our spirit. Teaching grows our minds. Confession frees our hearts. It's an opportunity each week to, as Paul says, 
to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true act of worship. This is what worship's all about. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Weekly gathering is an opportunity for us each week to thank God for what he's done and to say, now I'm going to live for you. Because we all know that's not just a decision you make once in your life, is it? It's not just that one sort of come to Jesus decision when you go, well, I was doing life my way and now I'm going to do life's God way. You need to kind of remake that decision. If you're anything like me, you, don't, you, need to, you need to come back and remake that decision. And when we gather weekly, it's an opportunity to refocus ourselves on who God is. And to, if you like, rededicate ourselves to Jesus and to say, this week, this is who I choose to be. This coming week, this is who I choose to follow. Gathering together helps us to remember who God is and what he's done. And it helps us to refocus on who Jesus is and our commitment to live for him weekly. So weekly worship might seem a little bit weird to you sometimes. Might seem a little bit weird to people around you. You might have friends and family who wonder why you would bother to show up here every week. I mean, you don't have to go like every week, do you? Couldn't you just go, you know, when you're free? You've had a big night. You've got that important assignment to do that you left at the last minute. Now it's Sunday and it's due Monday. <laughs> got a big family lunch coming and I really should stay home and prepare for it and clean the house and make sure we're all ready when people come round. I can miss one week. It's just, it's just this week. Family's important, right? I've heard people say those things to me. I'm sure many of you have heard people say those things. You, you might have even said those things to yourself. But this weird thing that we do by gathering every week makes a public statement about how important God is to you and how important we believe God is to all of our world. Gathering every week makes space in your life for you to be encouraged in your faith, for people to speak into your life and invest into you, and it makes space for you to speak into the lives of others and invest in other people. Doing this weird thing and gathering every week gives you time to remember and to celebrate and to worship who God is and what he's done and to refocus yourself on living for him for the week to come. That's why we do this weird thing every week and get together and worship every week. 